There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law may be, our word for the day, fulfilled. In who? Us! Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a series called The Teacher about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus sat down, opened his mouth and started teaching his disciples and teaching those multitudes who followed him because he healed them and more came and he healed them and then he started to preach. I'm working... With you, we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which is three chapters in the book of Matthew, 5, 6, and 7. And I was asking God this week if I can skip some of the parts, like the one that was up for this week. And He gently said no. <laughs> um, because it's a, it's a difficult one. It is one that has the potential of causing confusion. It is the one that has caused some people to fall out of agreement with each other, so much so that churches have split and ministries have broken and all kinds of stuff has happened. And obviously, we want none of that. But God has challenged me to delve into What did Jesus say here? What did he mean? And how do we apply it to our lives? So church, I invite you to go on a journey with me as we read the next few verses. I never thought that just three verses could cause me to ask so many questions and delve so deeply into the word of God. But I'm grateful, and my my heart and my my trust is today that the Holy Spirit will, through me, speak to all of us, and that we will walk out of here, yes, with a deeper understanding, but more so, understanding who we are in Christ, and what we have access to because of Christ, all right? If you walk out of here today, and you don't know that, please come to me. 
and I'll try and explain it better. <laughs> so, with that in mind, let us turn to the next part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, verse 17 to 20. I'm going to read it from two different translations. The first one is the New King James. It says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That is why our session for today is called Fulfilled. The title of our message today is Fulfilled. You can show them that slide quickly and then I'll come back to the other scripture. Fulfilled. Jesus is saying, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. All right, let's read the same passage from the New Living Translation. Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What does this mean? How should we hear it? Jesus' audience was his disciples and Jewish people from all over. He had told them the Beatitudes and now and then about being salt and light, which we talked about last week, and now he's saying this. Jesus' words, as he starts this out, implies that some of them, or he was sensing that some of them were thinking that he intended to abolish the law and the prophets, that he was trying to take it out. Or, and, and that would have been easier for them, because if he just dismisses that, then they can easily disqualify him as someone of importance. But he said, I didn't come to do that. Or what he was saying up until that point, speaking about how, what it means to be blessed and what it means to be salt and light, they could go, he's moving away from the law and the prophets. He's saying, don't think that. Don't make that mistake. I didn't come to abolish or destroy. I came to fulfill. Everybody say fulfill came to fulfill. 
So what does fulfill mean? Does anyone know? You can grab the mic and come and teach if you... In this specific text, it comes from the Greek word plerosai, or it comes from pleres, which means to make replete. That means to cram something as full as possible, to fall to the brim, to level up. Some of the business people will like that one. Come on, level up. To satisfy completely, to finish, to verify. It also means to make full, to fill up, to cause to abound, to furnish or to supply liberally. Do you get the picture of what fulfill means? That's from the biblical and the Greek word. The Oxford Dictionary, the modern day Oxford Dictionary says it's to achieve or realize Something that's desired, promised, or predicted. It also means to carry out a duty or role that is required or promised or expected. That is what it means to fulfill. Fulfillment is the meeting of a requirement. That's what I'm hearing from all of these things, is that there's a requirement that needs to be filled. Imagine a requirement being an empty vessel. Like this thing is empty, it needs to be filled. Can you see that picture? Something is required to take place. It refers to a thing that's needed or wanted, an outcome that is compulsory, or a necessary condition That has to be met. Are you following? That's what a requirement is. to, To help us better understand, I want you to think if you've ever applied to take part in a course. Maybe you went to university or college or you did an online class with my wife. Has anyone ever applied for a course in this place? All right. There was a reason why you applied. What was the reason? You have a dream. I have a dream. To do something. All right? You've got a dream. You've got a goal. Or you want to apply for a specific kind of job. And that job requires that you go and do a course that qualifies you to apply to that job. Are we in agreement? And there's a a certain minimum requirement that you have to meet in order to qualify. Now, in order to meet the requirement of the job, you need to also meet or fulfill the requirement of the course that will qualify you. So, you are required to fulfill course requirements in order to fulfill job requirements in order to be fulfilled. And that requires a lot of determination and hard work and focus. Just like that sentence required a lot from me. Every young Jewish boy had to learn the law of Moses, the Torah. It wasn't necessarily their dream. (laughs) They were told, "This, this is your dream. 
you will know the first five books of the Old Testament. Jesus was a Jewish boy. And we know that he would go to temple often. As we saw once when his parents lost him. Where was he? In his father's house. And when they questioned him, he said, I'm busy with my father's business. What can a parent say to that? God and the Jewish culture required of Jewish boys to know Torah and in order to qualify and become men when they turn 13, when they have their rite of passage and coming of age. They are tested. They need to know this word. It's a requirement that needs to be fulfilled. Now, our Jesus did not only know the law and the prophets. He lived it. He lived it. So you might ask, what is the law? I've kind of been hinting towards it. It is also known as Torah, the five first books of the Bible as we know it. It's the book written, the books written by Moses. It contains the creation ordinances in Genesis, God establishing what life is and will be and how it works, what marriage is. I won't go into the rest right now. Then we also get the Ten Commandments, which was written by God's own finger to Moses, and then Moses proceeded to record 603 other laws that God also gave, which brings us to 613 laws. They are divided in moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, ceremonial law, which has to do with all the festivals, all the days that have to be kept, the cleansing rituals, all these things that people had to do, everything around the temple, all those things. And then there was also civil law. The civil law was basically the governing rules for the people of the Jewish nation. This is how they are supposed to live. And God gave all of these to Moses to write down so the people can live it. How many of you have a list of 613 rules in your house that everyone has to abide by? Anyone? <laughs> Written down. Oh, my word. Thank you, Leon. Sinko friend. When Jesus says about this law that we just spoke about, when Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, we need to stop and ask, what does he mean? How does that work? The law, in other words, sets a requirement. Jesus says, I, I fill that requirement. How does he do that? Don't worry, I will tell you. Firstly, Jesus fulfilled the law by living a life on earth as a human being, 100% man, 100% God, where he did not break one of the 613 laws. He is the only human in history that could and did do that. He fulfilled the law by living it and keeping it. James 2 verse 10 says, 
For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. And this, the Pharisees were very happy to tell everybody what they were keeping. But the word says very clearly, if you mess up in one, you have broken them all. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Did you know that Jesus has been tempted in every way known to man? What is a temptation? It's a thought that enters your mind of something that I could do. It is not sin to be tempted. It is sin to act on the temptation and do what you are tempted to do. That's where sin comes in. Jesus has been tempted in every way that each and every one of us has been tempted. Did you know that? That should give you a lot of hope that my Savior understands my human condition. Amen? Even though Jesus was accused by the Pharisees that he did not keep Torah, how, how many of you know there's a few incidents where Jesus healed people on the Sabbath and they got very upset? How could you heal someone? There's two things wrong here. You healed them and then they stood up and walked. The one carried a mat. Sorry, can't do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus quickly pointed out to them, he is the Sabbath. And that there's nothing wrong with healing on the Sabbath. Because what happened? The Pharisees took the law of God, meant for a specific reason. They along the way, they lost the spirit of the law, the heart of the law. They added their own man-made rules and rituals on top of the existing 613 laws and made it even more impossible for people to keep it. And who decides whether someone keeps it or not? The Pharisees. And Jesus was the one who started pointing them, this out to them. So even though Jesus was accused of not keeping the law, he, he did and pointed out at the same time how they were missing the, the point of the law. Do you agree? Are you with me? All right. So step one, how does Jesus fulfill the law? He lived it and didn't break it. Secondly, he fulfills the messianic prophecies that come from the writings of Moses and from the prophets. Did you know that Jesus was prophesied even in the law? Definitely by the prophets, we know that. I'm going to show you something quite amazing. Moses prophesied about the Messiah. In Deuteronomy 18 from verse 15, it says, Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among uh, your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembling at Mount Sinai. They requested someone like this. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see the blazing fire, for we will die. Go and read Exodus 20. It's quite amazing how they say they don't want to come near God. He's too awesome and powerful. 
Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. <laughs> Would you like to personally deal with the God of the universe when you don't listen to his prophet Jesus? Good luck. Okay. So we have a messianic prophecy in the law that Jesus comes and fulfills. Now I want to show you some other messianic um, prophecies as well, and I want to give you some amazing statistics. There's a mathematician called Peter Stoner. He calculated or counted the probability of one person fulfilling even a small number of the messianic prophecies. And he concluded the, cha the chance of one single man fulfilling just 48 of the prophecies found in the Old Testament would be one in, um, well, it'll be 10 followed by 157 zeros. So the chances that Jesus fulfilled 40, just 48, there's more. The chances that he would fulfill 48 messianic prophecies is a number that's so big you have to write 157 zeros after a one. That's the chance. Jesus fulfilled not just 48, he fulfilled 324. 324 messianic prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. I'm going to read 15 of them that are cross-referenced in various scriptures. Firstly, the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2, fulfilled in Matthew 2.7, also John 7 and Luke 2. The Messiah is to be preceded by a messenger. Isaiah 40 verse 3, Malachi 3.1, fulfilled in Matthew 3, John 1 and Luke 1. The Messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah 9 verse 9, fulfilled in Luke 35 and Matthew 21. The Messiah is to be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41.9, 55, 12 to 14, but it's, and it's fulfilled in Matthew 10, 4, Matthew 26, and John 13. The Messiah is to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. See Zechariah eleven twelve, 12, fulfilled in Matthew 26. The money for which the Messiah is sold is to be thrown to the potter in God's house. See Zechariah eleven thirteen, fulfilled in Matthew 27. The, Messi the Messiah is to be born of a virgin. See Isaiah seven fourteen, fulfilled in Matthew 1 and Luke 1. The Messiah is to be hated without cause. Isaiah 49, 7, Psalm 69, 5, fulfilled in John 15. The Messiah is to be silent before his accusers. Isaiah 53, 7, fulfilled in Matthew 27. I'm, I'm going to stop referencing. You'll see the, there's a pattern. All right, I'm just going to give you the rest. The Messiah is to be executed by crucifixion, by having his hands and feet pierced. The Messiah is to be given vinegar to quench his thirst. The Messiah, Messiah is to be executed without having a bone broken. He's to be buried with the rich when dead. He's to be raised from the dead. And he's to be executed by crucifixion as a thief. All of these were fulfilled and many, many more. Let's give God a praise offering. If you still don't understand the probability of Jesus fulfilling all of these prophecies, this mathematician tries to help us understand. He says... If we take 10 to the power of 17 silver dollars and lay them 
on the face of Texas, the state of Texas. It's the biggest state in the United States, if you didn't know. They will cover the state two feet deep. Now, mark one of these silver dollars and stir all of them up. Then drop a blindfolded man onto the dollars and tell him to pick up one silver dollar. And the first one that he picks up must be the one that is marked. That is the chance that Jesus fulfilled 324 messianic prophecies. Do you have that picture? I did not come to destroy the prophets, but to fulfill. Sure. Thirdly, Jesus fulfills the righteous requirement of the law. Now, here it gets a bit heavy, if it hasn't gotten heavy yet. I know that in the church world, in the Christian, Christian world, there are a lot of debates about law, grace, what does the law mean, all these kinds of things. And by no means do I want to get into a debate, but I do believe that God has showed me something, and I want to share that with you. I've read up on many opinions and what other scholars say. I want to share with you what God has communicated to me. Amen? What does the law do? What is the point of the law? The law of Moses is to reveal the holiness of God. It's to reveal the holy standard that God has for His people. He has set a mark. This is the mark according to which you should live. I've created you to live like this. What is sin? Sin is missing that mark. God set the mark. We miss the mark. But if there wasn't a mark, we wouldn't know. We would have marked what we wanted. Only the Afrikaans people will get that. The law reveals the holiness of God. He sets the standard. Secondly, the law reveals what sin is. It reveals to us what sin is. God says, this is my holy standard. And at the same time, I now realize, yo, if I do this, it is sin. God got specific. If you do this, it is against the mark that I've set for my holiness. So now because of the law, I know what is sin. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then is the law? Ah, sorry. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Okay. Thirdly, the more knowledge of the law increases in my life, the more sin increases. Do you understand that? The more I know what God's standard is, the more laws I hear, the more I realize, yo, okay, this is also sin, this is also sin, this and you kind of get to the point where you go, oh, my word, I'm a sinner. That's what the Lord does. So the Lord, fourthly, is therefore a tutor to us, teaching us what is right and wrong, 
and what the consequences of sin is. Galatians 3 from verse 23. But before faith came, before faith, before the new covenant, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Fifthly, because of the law, we all stand guilty before God and we deserve righteous judgment. That's what the law does. It makes us understand that we are guilty before God and there will be a righteous judgment. And in the sixth place, but God came to take the righteous requirement of the law on himself. So we have five pieces of really hard news. I'm a sinner. I'm heading for hell. The law makes it very clear. But then Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. He says, he came to take the righteous requirement of the law upon himself on our behalf. He did not deserve it because as we saw, he broke no law. He didn't deserve it. He had no sin. He was perfect, spotless. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And those last two words is the good news that we receive today. In Him. In Him. In Jesus. If you remember anything from today, I want you to remember this. In Him. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. He obeyed the law and the prophets. He walked and was still going to walk out a lot of the messianic prophecies. And he was going to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law by dying on a cross. When Jesus said this in Matthew 5, it was before his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It was before the new covenant was introduced. And it was before the church as we know it today started. Are you following? When Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, He had not died for our sins yet. And the church had not started. That was still to come. He was preaching to a Jewish audience who knows the law. Now he says in Matthew 5, I came to fulfill. That includes all he had already fulfilled up until the moment he said those words. But we have to see the tense that he's using. It includes that which he has, still has to do, which the main thing is to die on a cross for the transgressions against the law. He went on to say that, okay, so the next verse, verse 18, it says, until heaven and earth passes away, not one jot or tittle will pass from the law until it's fulfilled. This is a tough sentence to understand. First of all, I spoke to a Bible scholar this week. He said that the yot, the jot, is the smallest thing in the Hebrew language. If you, but if you put it on something, it changes the meaning of the word. It is the smallest stroke in the Hebrew language. There are 66,214 jots in the Old Testament. 
66,240. Okay, you're not impressed by that. I was quite impressed by that. It says, not one of those will pass from the law until it's fulfilled. Now, the sentence that we read here is a tricky one because there are two untils. There's until heaven and earth pass away and until these requirements are fulfilled. Scholars and theologians differ over this. I can only give you what I feel God has shown me. I'm not making a theological statement. I'm not starting a debate. But I do want to offer you something that I believe is encouraging and edifying and really powerful. It says, not one pen stroke will pass from the law until the end of all things as we know it, until heaven and earth passes away. So the one option is, this law is in effect until the whole earth passes away and the heavens. Okay? Or, until what the law requires is accomplished. Therefore, if the requirements are to be, are to, are fulfilled, then the pen strokes from the law will pass. So if nothing happens that makes the law fulfilled, then it will only pass away when heaven and earth passes away. But if something comes along that fulfills all the requirements, then the law will pass away. Are you following me? All right. Up until this point where Jesus was speaking, he had fulfilled much of the law and the prophets, and he still needed to do all that he was born for, literally born for. Before I continue, I want to sketch something to you that I believe will help us understand this. How many of you have ever flown before? Airplane, helicopter. How many of you love flying? How many of you are terrified to fly? <laughs> Go to Sozo. All right. So <laughs> Do you who raised your hands, just raise your hands again if you've flown before. Can you fly on your own? Can you fly on your own? How many of you can fly on your own? Anyone? Fly and stay in, not the plane, you, man, your body. How many of you can fly as your body? No one, right? God did not give us that ability. What is the only way you can fly? It's to get into something that can fly. When you enter an airplane that fulfills the requirements needed to defy the law of gravity, and even though it's heavy, it can do something for you and with you that you are not able to do in your own strength. Here's the question. What if someone was able... Holy Spirit. Yo. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Holy Spirit. Sorry, I was just experiencing the Holy Spirit very strongly there in that moment. That's, why, that's how I know this is really important. What if someone was able to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law of Moses and by doing so would carry in him the ability to do that for everyone who receives him and are in him? John 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Colossians 2, 9. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete. In Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are the shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. I'm not preaching, I'm reading word. Did you notice that? Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law, there we have that sentence again, that the righteous requirement of the law may be, our word for the day, fulfilled. In who? Us! who do not walk according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. When you fulfill something, you are the end of it. You have fulfilled it. It is done. What did Jesus say on the cross when he breathed his last breath? Tetelestai. It is finished. It is fulfilled. What do we do with verse 19 and 20? It says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Did Jesus break any and teach others to break any of the law of Moses? No. Did he, did he live it and teach it? Yes, he did. And he is busy doing it and about to expand on it while he's talking to them. Whose righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees? Do you know why? He was already exceeding their righteousness in that moment before crucifixion because he actually lived it. And then he superseded it by dying on the cross for everyone's sin. And unrighteousness. I believe, and again, this is how I believe God has led me to understand these verses. It reiterates the previous two verses that we've been reading. I believe Jesus is saying that since He is indeed the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, and He's the only one who can keep them, fulfill them, and teach them, he revealed the true heart behind the moral law of God, the spirit of, of the law. So what he's saying is that since I am the fulfillment of these things, the only one who can keep them, the only one who can teach them, and he, he's the only one who can reveal the real heart of it, the real focus of it, and why it exists. And, and what's, I think I'm going to say it later, but I want to say it now as well. In the New Testament, nine of the ten commandments are confirmed as new commandments for the New Testament. So the ten moral laws, nine of them, still apply today because it was confirmed. All right. I want to bring this back as we get into the flow of this. We're almost at the end. Are you still with me? All right. I know it's a lot, but this is so great. I'm excited about it. It changed my life. Jesus has taught the Beatitudes, spoken life over his disciples that they are salt of the earth and light of the world, why issuing a warning to them, which is to stay pure and to stay focused. Today we see how he moved into the topic 
of the sensitive and highly contentious area of the Mosaic law. And he makes a massive statement. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And because he is, and because in essence is, the, is also the one who wrote and inspired the law with his Father and the Holy Spirit, and he also is referred to as the Word of God, he can let us in on the secret. There is no way any of the people he was speaking to or any of us can live up to the law of Moses. That, that's what he is saying. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Woefully short. The law is our tutor that shows us how far we are from the mark, how unholy we truly are before we meet Christ. But then, he reveals so powerfully that he and his father, what they intended with the law. And in the next verses, he reveals how it is an issue of the heart. How is our heart positioned? And those verses are referred to as where he says, you've heard it say that if you commit murder, you, uh, you shall not commit murder. But if you are angry towards your brother, you have committed murder in your heart. And then he goes on to say, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say, if you look lustfully upon a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus goes on to explain what is the heart of the law. And he tries to teach that to the people because they've lost the heart, they've lost the focus. And we'll get into that next week. For now, our application of this word today, I believe it is important for all of us to take a moment and recognize and acknowledge that each of us cannot live up to the law in our own strength. No matter how disciplined I am, I will always break some kind, some part of the law. All of us that have given our lives to Christ realize that I want to fly, spiritually speaking, but I can't fly on my own. I can't fly in righteousness. I can't fly in holiness. I need to be in the one who has already fulfilled all the requirements of the law. What we all need to be reminded of is how much we need this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is the love of God, who has the grace of God in him, and we can know that if we are in him, if we abide in him and he is in us, then we can fly. Amen? Then we are no more in condemnation, but a new creation, free from death, that the letter of the law brings, but I'm free in Christ, and I can now live according to the Spirit. This is very important to know. This truth we are hearing today is not a ticket to keep on sinning. It's not a ticket to do what I want. It's actually a supernatural way to live according to the mark that God set in the first place. Through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith, uh, by faith through grace, by grace through faith, sorry, by grace through faith in Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a righteous, holy life. Amen? Come on. Let us all stand together in this holy moment before a holy God. Let us close our eyes and just focus on Jesus. I want you to take a moment and just in your own words say, thank you Jesus for fulfilling the law and the prophets. Just let's say that together. Thank you Jesus.
for fulfilling the law and the prophets because I know I cannot. Thank you, Jesus. If you are standing here today and you've already given your life to Christ, you are born again a new creation. You can, I want you to know that you are made righteous. You are reconciled to the Father. And the wages of sin and the punishment of the law is no longer applicable on your life. The only one that can stand in the way of you living that truth is you. And it comes in different forms. It can come in a form of spiritual arrogance or self-righteousness where you, you become like a Pharisee. Then you are missing the mark. Or it can be a form of spiritual immaturity and a, a, a low esteem, a low self-esteem of you spiritually speaking. Like, I don't deserve this. I can never do this. All my sin from my past. You keep, you keep focusing on your sin of the past. You keep focusing on your weak points. And Jesus is like, I don't know what you're talking about because in me, this is washed clean. It's done with. And you keep reminding God, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. He's like, no, no, no. In me... The righteous requirements of the law has been fulfilled. Are you in me? Yes or no? If you say yes, you might still struggle with some thoughts and insecurities, but today you can choose to know it has been fulfilled. And when I am in Jesus, I am in righteousness. What does that mean? It means that when the Father looks at you who are born again, He looks through the blood of Jesus Christ, He looks through the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, and He sees a holy person that has been washed clean and that's heading for eternity with Him. That's what He sees. And that's who you are. So first, to those who already believe, who have let the enemy lie to them about their worth, about their condition before God, please close your eyes and take a moment and say, Lord, I repent. I repent of letting the enemy lie to me about who I really am before you. Maybe some of us need to say, Lord, I repent of trying to keep the law in my own strength. And when I fail, to fall into guilt and shame. Lord, no more. Today I choose to live in you, to abide in you, so that I can live from your righteousness, live from your holiness in Jesus' name. Let's keep the eyes closed and the focus on Jesus. If you are here today and you have never made this decision to follow Christ and now have a better understanding of what it means to follow Him, which is to say, yes, I believe in the name of Jesus, which means salvation. And because I believe in salvation, I believe I'm in need of salvation. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. If I have to stand before a holy God in my own strength, the law will judge me. If that's you today, if you realize, man, my life is a mess. I am broken. My life is filled with sin. I am not perfect. I have good news for you. No perfect people allowed in the kingdom of God. 
God doesn't want you to come to Him already fixed. That's what He does. He wants you to come as you are. He will do the rest. So if that's you today, you say, my life is a mess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need to be in this Jesus that can make me fly spiritually. If that's you today, will you please raise your hand and come to the front? We would love to pray with you. Anyone who wants to give their lives to Christ today, come on, I know there's at least one. Please come forward. This is a safe space. We love you. God loves you. We want to help you get into the kingdom of God. No one? Okay. If you may be feeling embarrassed, you don't want to come out to the, please don't let this moment pass you by. Come and speak to me afterwards or one of our leaders. We will all be here kind of in front, so please don't let this moment pass. Amen? All right. Did you receive a word from the God today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you for what you have done by fulfilling all the requirements of the law and for fulfilling all the prophecies about the Messiah. We are blown away. We are in awe and we are so grateful. Jesus, you are our Savior. You saved us from an eternal death apart from God the Father, but you've come and you've reconciled us. You have fulfilled every requirement of the law so that we don't have to. And you've opened up the door so that we can be with you, in you, and through you be made righteous before God, fulfilling all the requirements. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into this space in our lives in a whole new, fresh way. We fall out of agreement with every negative thought that is not of you about who we are in Christ. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes to who we really are every day. We choose to draw near to you and live with you and go by your leading in our lives. We thank you, we glorify you, we honor you, we give you all the praise and the glory. We lift you up because you are our God. You are our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us worship our God and Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.